Well, welcome to the Work Minus Podcast, where we talk with influencers about what needs dropped from how we work today and where they see work headed. Today's guest is Max Stossel, and this episode is Work Minus Distractions. Hi, Max. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Very happy to have you on the show. Uh, You are connected to the Time Well Spent group, which is uh, how we got together. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, and what you're passionate about? Sure. Um, So I am, in fact, Max Stossel. Uh, I got interested in this field because when I, my first job, I was, you know, my first job in college, I was young. They were like, hey, you go figure out social media. (laughs) And so I fell into that industry and was doing social strategy for first some small startups and then Dove and Budweiser and some big brands. Um, And ultimately, I discovered that a couple of things really work well on social media. And one of those things is putting ideas in front of people that they already believe. Mm-hmm. When I was doing Budweiser work, for example, saying, you know, showing a picture of somebody having a drink on a Friday is a very popular image to that crowd. And then also extreme statements. Budweiser is the greatest beer. It does a whole lot better than here's how Budweiser is made. Um, and that's one thing when it's for brands. But then I slowly started to watch everybody kind of following those principles as the Facebook algorithm rewarded those principles and started to see news organizations get a little bit more extreme and started to see filter bubbles really, you know, pouring some gasoline on the filter bubble fire. Uh, And so I was actually after that job, I went into startup world and I was working on a social media app and I was designing notification structures that essentially would take people out of their world and bring them into mine because we were told that if we could hold your attention for two minutes or longer, we had a valuable company. So all of our design was based around how can we capture as much attention as possible. And during that time, I was, you know, I, I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. I thought, well, any, anything that I'm getting doing to make someone use my app means they want to use it. Um, but it was actually conversations with Tristan Harris, who is the, uh, the founder of this time well spent movement, uh, where I really started to realize the difference between what we want and what we'll watch, like what we will do, how the human human beings just are persuadable. We are persuadable as humans. Um, and there are some things that will just make us act in certain ways and starting to align my thinking around that and then taking a second look at the work I was doing, it felt as though this wasn't work that I really wanted to be doing and even scarier, this entire digital economy, the entire attention economy is based on this concept of how do we capture as much time as possible and that has a lot of consequences. So do you think this is a, a new phenomenon that we're just becoming aware of since you know everything's just amped up or has it been there in the past in media for a long time? So I think a lot of this stuff has been in media for a long time, um, but it's really the internet has poured gas on the fire. Um, a lot of this stuff is just, it exists in, hu- in, hu- in human behavior, right? Like a lot of our base instincts are being catered to. Um, but we've gotten so good and we have so much data now that everything has been taken to a new extreme and the consequences have never been this dire for some of the same systems that have been happening for a long time. It just has reached a tipping point. All right. So, so for someone who is uh, not familiar with time well spent and kind of what you guys are all, all doing together, uh, just give us a few examples of what are some of the dangers that are out there when the whole system is built on attention. Sure. So this, the symptom that we feel is like, oh, well, look at that. I got sucked into something for 20 minutes that I didn't mean to get sucked into. Mm-hmm. But that's not, not the scary part of the problem. That's, you know, it's not so fun when everybody's in their phones all the time necessarily. Um, but what's scary about it is how uh, that attention is grabbed. So what are the things that work? 
at grabbing and holding attention. Um, and so you have some of the most intelligent algorithms that have ever been created, uh, Facebook, Google, et cetera, that have been pointed at each individual human brain, looking at every action, every data point, thinking how can we craft the perfect piece of content to show this person? Um, and it's not a person sitting behind a screen saying, aha, this is right for you. Um, it's an algorithm. So the way that, that works is that it morphs and shifts and tries a bajillion different things and discovers new ways of keeping people engaged, ways that humans might not have thought of. And a lot of the solutions the algorithms have created are creating, you know, are, oh, it looks like when we push these ideas to the extreme, this person is more likely to spend time here. Um, when we show people things they're already likely to believe, they'll spend more time here. Um, there's, you know, a, an interesting example is on YouTube. If you search for, you know, if you during the election were watching Trump videos, you would quickly be recommended to white supremacy videos. Those are not the same thing. They're definitely not the same thing. But YouTube sort of categorized them in a similar bulk and thought, oh, if you like this, you might like this. Yeah. And you know, you do or don't. You know, may, maybe you click on that, maybe you don't. It's far actually more dangerous when it's the kids who can't read that are clicking on every sidebar, but they're not watching Trump videos. So that's a separate example. Yeah. And um, again, like you said, it, it's not like YouTube is a person sitting up there deciding, oh, yeah, this, this correlation exists. It's it's all from the algorithm, which is really more of a reflection of our own society, too. Would you agree? Yes. Our own, and our own more and more our own personal behavior. Hmm. Um, but we're, it's, as Tristan likes to put it, it's a race to the bottom of the brainstem. It's not information that we're happy we watched later. It's just what like is most likely to get us to click now, um, and yeah, and that and you're never hardcore enough for YouTube. If you watch, if you watch videos about being a vegetarian, they'll push you towards veganism, and you know it's it's subtle. It's just a recommendation on the side there, but the whole sort of Facebook ecosystem and a lot of the digital world is slowly and subtly pushing us that way, and not because of a person is behind there making that choice, but because this is what the algorithm learns is best at keeping our attention. So we're starting to learn, we're starting to become more aware as a society, I think, that this is not something that we want to run our digital world, that when everything is run based on how much attention we can grab, the cost is too high. Yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, we're talking about the future of work, we're talking about work trends, so let's let's bring it into the office setting. So, yeah, sorry, I drifted a bit. No, no, it's fine, this is important. Um, where do you see, if the current trajectory of, of design and this attention economy, just capturing more attention keeps going. How does that impact the future of work from a user perspective? And when I say that, just just any random person working in an office, how are they gonna be affected if the attention economy is allowed to just go freewheeling wherever it wants to? So we're only gonna get better and better at capturing and stealing your attention. Um, so really, it's just it's, this problem is gonna get worse, right? Virtual reality is coming and there are more and more interesting and engaging ways of capturing and stealing people's attention. So if you think it's hard to focus now, I would say it's only gonna get harder. But what we're hoping from time well spent is that we can create sort of a shift in in that direction and that we can really start to design based on human needs and human values. And so if, if what you're doing at work is something that's important to you, technology should really be able to help you achieve those goals without being such a gigantic distraction machine. Um, and I do think we're starting to reach a critical point where people are starting to realize how little we're getting done often and how easily distracted we are. Um, and I think there is starting to be a turning point uh, there. So I think like though the though it's only getting worse in terms of the way that some of these social networks, et cetera, are capturing attention, I think we're somewhat reaching a breaking point where you know the average worker is like, okay, I can't 
I need to put this thing away if I'm going to get anything done. And I think that might lead to some to some more positive innovation. Yeah, I, I remember when when Facebook and YouTube first started to really come out strong in mainstream areas. There are a lot of even offices, organizations that would you know try to block it or say right. you can't access this from from our office. But then slowly those it just became natural that you you had to give employees access and that right. wasn't you need them. They're part of the job. Right, right, but. Where do you see that going? Are we going to go back to those days when employers just say, or even employees say, hey, we we can't do our jobs anymore because we have these tools? And is, is blocking them something as simple as that what we need, or is there a better solution? So there's a tool called Newsfeed Eradicator for Facebook that takes away the newsfeed when you go onto it. Um, so if you want to go to Facebook to like do a specific task, it's much harder to get distracted and pulled in. Not impossible. The notifications are still there and ready and eager to to, to pull you out of what you were doing. Um, and similarly, YouTube DF is YouTube distraction free that gets rid of the recommendations and uh, the sidebar. Um, and so I think there are tools that can help people self-regulate there. Um, I don't think it makes much sense for most offices to totally get rid of these things because they're so deeply ingrained in society that it's often they often are needed. What's challenging is that as soon as you go in, it's very hard to go out. Um, and so I don't think the future is offices regulating those, you know, blocking those sites. I do hope the future is, well, I, I really hope the future is Facebook and Google, you know, redesigning these products so that they really are helpful to people and helping us get what we want out of our lives. But in the interim, I hope people are able to do a little bit of work to self-regulate and those tools can help. So you see most of the change, at least in in the next few years, needing to happen from individuals who decide themselves, hey, I'm, I'm too distracted to even do my work. To, to use some of these small tools or, or be more mindful of it. Um, but is there anything else that is someone who's crafting an organization that wants people just to have some distraction free time or to say, hey, this is a, a no device hour or, you know, no computer Thursdays or something like that? Are, are any of these initiatives worth looking at? Sure. I mean, I think it's absolutely worth experimenting of, you know, do we try to like, I know companies have, I'm not familiar with the details, but I know if you Google like, different companies' email or response policies. I know a lot of different companies are innovating and trying to figure out the best solutions, both for our mental health and for productivity. And I absolutely think it's worth experimenting uh, to figure out what works best for your office. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's easy to think, well, when we're connected, we get the most done. But challenge that assumption and test that assumption and see if it's true. See if maybe they're maybe having a no-device uh, no device Saturday or no, sorry, Saturday. No device Friday is uh, talk about a, a is a double, more productive double way revolution going on there. Yeah, there don't you go. work on Saturdays and don't bring your phone. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, what about if if you're working for a company that that is in this world of capturing attention? Um, somebody is is in it. They feel they're having second thoughts about maybe maybe we should think more about this. Maybe they're not the chief designer. They're not the CEO. They don't feel like they can drive the vision of the company. What are some options they have to be more ethical in their design? It's a tough one because often, if it if the primary goal or business objective of the company is different from the from the goal of the user. For example, if let's use Facebook again, makes their money off of taking as much time as possible from, uh, from the user. And that's not the goal of the user. Um, little changes can make things better, but ultimately you're going to be, you're fighting a losing battle. And so that's a very, it's very hard to, it's very hard to fight that. Um, and you know, so you can, you can leave, but that's often not a, not a choice. Um, and 
you know, I think it really does, it does become a choice of whether you want to start going to like going to your higher ups and saying like, Hey, are there alternative models here? Can we like, what does our premium product look like? Some of this falls on the consumer and that we need to be willing to pay for services that bring us value because when we're not paying, we're paying with our attention in this really harmful way to society. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like, I think that is one option is to really, if you're like, if you're working on a project, a product that runs on advertising or requires capturing so much attention, uh, maybe you can think about, uh, what is the what is the alternative there? We also have a design checklist on timewellspent.io slash designers, um, and that uh, that will take you through like about ten things, or I think it's eight things um, that you can think of. Okay, as I'm designing my product, is this actually helping my helping the end user in this way? Um, and if you bring, I think you could bring these this list to your higher ups as well. Um, I actually, I can run through those if it's helpful, um, but it's sort of long. No, sure. Yeah, I think that if people check out that resource, that'll be a good tool for them. Great. So um, let's talk about a different topic. Um, it seems like in the world of software, uh, we keep going through these ebbs and flows where sometimes uh, companies and businesses want software that can do everything so that uh, the organization spends all their time on one platform where all the communication, all the file sharing, everything happens in one place. And then we break out and say, no, I want them on separate apps. I want them in separate places so that I can kind of focus and, and not use distractions going through there. Where do you see this tension kind of going in the near future? And, and what concerns should we have about that that tension between those two? Uh, so this feels like it could go in two directions um, again. And, that, and the, big, the key here is whether our goals are aligned, right? Because if my goal is aligned with a company that has this plethora of data and so many services, that's great. They have more opportunity to better serve me, and that's what they're trying to do. But if their goal is time, um, then I don't want you know, one company doing also happening to, you know, controlling how I work or how I get around if their goal is not the same as my goal because there will be at least subtle ways in which they are using me. Um, and I think in the near term, to be honest, you know, we have some very big companies that rule a majority of our digital world and we'll see more sort of conglomeration. Um, but around the productivity space, I'd like to think that if you're not, you know, if you're not serving your customers in the productivity space, you're going to lose uh, and we'll see different sort of silos pop up. And naturally, what will work best at helping you get things done is focused environments. And so, you know, it's not in some of these tech monopolies' best interest to give you a focused environment unless there's a, a separate sort of experience. So I, I would imagine in the productivity space, we would see, uh, we would see things going in in separate directions. Uh, at least like at least from other aspects of our lives. Maybe there'll be you know, work conglomerates, Salesforce and Asana and things like that. Um, but those feel much less dangerous than, than the ones that control how we get our information as well. Yeah, and I think going back to a point you said earlier, a lot of it does come back to money in terms of how it's coming in. If, if you're using an app, you're paying decently for it, um, then that company's, you know, they're making their money that way and their interests should ideally be to you know just improve your experience and and to, to have it there whereas if you're not paying anything for it no money for it you're paying with time you're paying with your eyeballs watching different advertising and the company tries to maximize on that time do you do you feel like that's it's that simple or is there a, a is there more nuance to it it's it's that's pretty much it but there's slight there's slightly more nuance in that 
what can be challenging is that even even some companies that we pay for, um, like you take Netflix, for example, or even the meditation apps, right, have to send notifications and keep you coming back, um, is that there's been this, in the attention economy, even some paid apps, they have to compete for sort of market share, or they find that if you are binge watching, for example, you're more likely to renew your subscription. And so there are things like that that are happening. And so we, we really need a different style of thinking as well. But having a paid product is definitely a better place to start and helps level the playing field. So anyone who's who's uh, seen the, the time well spent website, seen the TED Talks, seen, seen your video, which is incredible too. Um, Thank you. The, the, the panda is dancing, right? That's the name of it? Yeah, this band is dance. This band is it's it's really fantastic. Everyone should go check it out. When when you when you look at it, you know, I think everyone that sees it says, Yeah, this is a great idea. It it needs to happen. We needs to needs to do something. But then we look at what we're up against. You know, uh, we, we keep mentioning Facebook, Google and, and the, the likes of them that are out there that really seem to have no incentive to buy into any of this. Um, they say, you know, that that's cute and nice and they they could have a conference on it, they could throw a you know, several million dollars at it just to make us all feel better. But in the end, we know where all their money's coming from and, and how it's, it's affecting them. What, what, what are some, some rays of hope you can give us? What are some things you're looking for as indicators to say, maybe we, we might make a turn eventually, or what can you tell us about that? Sure. So, I mean, so part of, you know, step one in this for us has been raising awareness that this just exists at all, mm-hmm. that this is happening and this is the way that it works, because in many ways, this is an invisible problem and it's very hard to bring to mass attention. Um, so, you know, in step one of what we're working on is just letting people know that this is, this is how this was working. Many of us at time well spent were either working at, you know, Google or Apple or, you know, within this industry. Uh, and we're trying to raise awareness on that. One project we're working on this year is called the Beautiful World Project, which just is to inspire, you know, Apple is a big target, and some of their competitors, Samsung, Microsoft, um, and hopefully even Facebook and Google, to show them this is what the world could be like if this technology were actually designed by our values, because it's very hard to know how one even could change before we paint the alternative of that. Um, And we've been talking a lot about Facebook and Google, but Apple does not make most of their money on advertising. Um, Apple is selling hardware for the most part. And so if there really is consumer demand for this other type of product that really cares about us, it is in a company like Apple or Samsung uh, or Microsoft's best interest to create a product that really protects us from these distractions and prioritizes success uh, and what's valuable to us differently. Um, and so I am really optimistic about you know the ingenuity of companies or of companies like that in if we can really build real movement and consumer demand for this alternative, I think that could really make the world a much more a much more wonderful place. Uh, especially as I believe that this this problem is underneath every other problem because how can we focus on some of the bigger things if we can't focus at all? Yeah, well, tell us more about the beautiful world project. what What is that? What's going to look like? So it's, it's it's so difficult, challenging to say with words and without videos. Um, so I'll I'll show you, I'll send them to you when they're ready. Um, but it's you know, for example, uh, taking taking showing showing what exists now, and then looking at something like Facebook and let's saying let's say Facebook were really using all of its data um, and everything at its disposal to give you meaningful experiences and decrease the amount of loneliness in the world. Um, like, what would that experience look like from a what's-in-your-hand standpoint? You open the app, it's this time of day, and this happens. Um, and so just sort of sh- just highlighting and helping people think, like, huh, 
Like I didn't, I never thought of my technology in this way before, but tech could be this and I want that. And we want the designers to think, God, like, of course, like, why have I been creating this silly thing? I could be creating this thing that does so much good. Um, as I do believe the people working at these companies are, are good people who want to do, who want to do well, sure. do good. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think there is room to, to inspire those designers and developers, even if we also may need to do some finagling in the overarching business model of this industry. Yeah, and I think what you said is absolutely true. And anytime you have a, a system which uh, highlights either a weakness or some level of what seems like some kind of corruption or, or taking advantage of people, inside it is always good people and, and people that, that want to do the right thing. And even at the top, I'm sure that there's there's people in, in, in these companies that that would genuinely believe in these things. But a lot of, like you said, they just can't think of what it, it would look like to restart from the beginning and, and really make it from from the the values point of view we're hoping to help in that regard excellent excellent well max give us a a picture of the future of work minus distractions but we're still using technology what what does it look like i walk into the office what what do i experience so yeah so the future of work without distractions should involve like technology should be a very powerful tool to help us uh get things done um and so i would imagine that it would be something along the lines of where everything like Everything were about what you wanted to accomplish this, like you know, day, month, year, um, and you had smart technology that was working to help you accomplish the relevant tasks that were in your control to help you get towards those goals. Things technology would be helping, like helping when it could help, and if it is not the best way of getting those tasks that really matter to you done and matter to what you care about in the office or in your professional career, if those tasks aren't helpful to get you those done, then the technology should disappear. Um, it should literally go away to help you focus on what does matter to you. Um, it's hard to, you know, I haven't put enough thought into exactly what the different, you know, Internet of Things and what the devices and what the apps are uh, that really help us do that. Um, but I think it's that's the idea behind it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then what's the alternative to you get to the office and you open up your inbox and, you know, there's 100 emails waiting for you or you open up your uh, you know, internal social media feed and there's 20,000 notifications you got to go through. What's, what's a good solution to that? Um, so the only, you know, that's going to be there. There's the only, there are a couple of resources, uh, on the time well spent website, uh, time well spent slash what's it slash take control, um, take dash control, sorry. Um, and some of those tools like, you know, inbox when ready, uh, and, I think that's actually the only one email related uh, that's on the website um, can be helpful in cleaning that up. But what I found most helpful personally is just sleeping, like not getting a physical alarm clock and not having my phone be the thing that wakes me up mm. so that the first thing I see in the day isn't this whole new mess of new information and incoming you know, requests. Um, so I can actually take a second, think about what I want to get done. And then just be conscious of what in my inbox actually applies to that and what doesn't and, you know, use my own judgment on what is what is urgent and needs to interrupt me, um, but not let the not let the chaos of it interrupt me itself. Um, it's easier said than done. Um, and we, you know, it's the inbox is sort of like a slot machine of we're constantly checking and pulling of, oh, is there a new thing? What am I going to get? And especially when work gets hard, it's very easy to just sort of want to drift away into the other things. Um, but I have found personally that sleeping with my phone outside of the room has been helpful in letting me prioritize what I want to get done in a day. Yeah, that's a great idea. I, I do uh, airplane mode at night just to make sure that I, 
first thing I see is not, or I don't hear any notifications or anything like that. So that's, that's do you thing. immediately turn it off as soon as you wake up? No, after breakfast. Sure. After, okay, good. Yeah, I tried airplane mode, but then found myself just immediately <laughs> on airplane mode as soon as I turned off my alarm. So I thought, okay, that's this is not accomplishing what it meant to accomplish. Yeah. Well, great, Max. Thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate it, and what you're what you're doing is a good thing. I hope you continue to do it. Tell us where we can stay in touch with you. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, you know at Max Dossel on all those social media apps. Yeah, um, you know, I post almost never for all of these reasons because I hate this stuff, but it also is a valuable way of spreading the word around. So it's it's a conflict and it's a bit ironic in there. Uh, and then yeah, I think really the best thing you can do is get involved on the site uh, at timewellspent.io. Well, this has been work minus distractions. Thanks a lot for being on the show, Max. Thank you. 